we are again at the So Stignatious Podcast, where the name is made up, but the people are real. I'm your host, Jake Gerhan, and today I have a friend I grew up with from elementary school all the way through high school. His name is Michael Pratt, and he's one of the more impressive people that I know. In addition to just being admitted to the undergraduate business degree at Cal, and congrats to him on that, Mike has been producing and selling hip-hop beats since middle school. Michael has a drive to succeed his way, and I'm excited for you guys to hear about it. Listener's discretion is advised, as there is some explicit language. You know, just a couple of 21-year-olds talking how we talk. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy. Hey everybody and welcome back. Uh, today I'm with a longtime friend, yeah. uh, Mr. Michael Pratt. What's up? Um, we're going to get into uh, what Michael does um, throughout this podcast and when he started doing it, how he got into it, but um, I just want to give a little credit right now. The intro music that you've been hearing every single episode, that, that came from, I sent Mike a text Let's and go. I was like... I was like, hey, I've got this podcast idea. Uh, I was wondering if you could throw something together for me. And within like, I don't know, probably like two days, he had like three different things for me to pick from and was like working with me on how to edit them. It was like super amazing. And I mean, anyway, thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on, man. Um, It's awesome. So if you couldn't tell from that little intro right there, Mike's thing is, you know, music and music production. Um... So how did you sort of very broadly, like, when was the first moment where you were like, I'm going to try to make a beat or I'm going to try to make something that sounds cool? Oof. First moment I made a beat? Uh, well, I mean, I think like one of the first moments where I knew I wanted to be involved with music was like, uh, I remember in seventh grade, like with, with you, when we yeah, were Yeah, so Mike, Michael and I went to... When I say longtime friend, like we went to elementary school, middle school, yeah. high school, all that together. Shout out Delmar Dragons. Yeah, it's our middle school, and we took a class, which I think he's about to talk about while we were there. That was called um, it was a class digital media. Yeah, yeah, it was all about like like very overfunded middle school, but we had like <laughs> Photoshop, and we all have laptops and and all these cool programs. So people were making like animations, people were making yeah. music, people were doing all sorts of things. You could cool just experiment. Things. You could do yeah, whatever you exactly. want, figure out how a computer worked. So we were super lucky in that sense. But it actually wasn't digital media. It was oh, it was mind. like <laughs> it was it was I forget what class we had. It might have been science or something, but you told me to listen to Man on the Moon like all the way through. And so I I'd never done it. Obviously, for those of you who don't know, Man on the Moon is like an all-time classic hip hop album, in my opinion, by Kid Cudi, one of the best artists of all time. Go listen to it if you haven't listened to it. But uh, you told me to listen and I was sick or something, I forget, but I was just at home one day and I had nothing to do. And I was like, okay, cool, let me check out Man on the Moon. And I just remember putting on my headphones and listening from start to finish. And it's such a, it's such a, uh, like cinematic album yeah, that you, like, yeah, you get like lost in it. Yeah. With the, with the music. And then there's the little, the little, uh, outros where common will come in and kind of like sum up what's going on in the song for you. But I just remember getting like so lost and like into that album and that album was so otherworldly. It kind of, that was one of the first moments where I was like, I want to, I want to be involved with music or at least try and make something that can make other people feel this way. Because it, it was just an awesome experience for me personally. And that was really when I realized the impact that that music can have on people. But I mean, besides, besides that, another uh, kind of pivotal moment was when uh, Mac Miller came out. Because it was around the same time, right? Yeah, this was like I think, yeah, it was like seventh grade. I think I found him in seventh grade, and I was already in seventh grade. Give him a time frame. Was that, that like? was 2011. I'm pretty sure 2010. Okay. It was like 2010, 2011, and so this was like right after Mac put out Kids, and I found him. I remember I found him before Best Day ever came out, and so I got super into the Kids mixtapes and like Kool Aid and Frozen Pizza was the the video that was like popping on YouTube at the time. And I just remember seeing him, and 
I guess it might have been just like a, a relatable thing because I'm white and like he was a white kind of suburban kid making rap music and I was super passionate about rap music and like R&B and uh, it, it was like one of those one of those moments where I felt like oh okay if this kid can start making this music from his home in Pittsburgh like I could start making music from my home in the Bay Area. So did that start with like because I mentioned earlier, everyone had a laptop at our school. That yeah. started like Garage Band. And yeah, stuff yeah, like that. for sure, for sure. So like, I started messing around in Garage Band, just experimenting. And like, everybody when they first make beats, your beats are just trash. Like whether you you admit it or not, but your beats are horrible. So and it was funny too because it was like everyone's just using these preloaded Garage Band. Yeah. These like little middle school kids. Yeah, yeah, and so it was like. You, you start out with loops, like pre-made sounds, and there's figuring out how to like actually form a song in GarageBand. And then from there, you can figure out how to actually, you know, play, play something and then uh, turn that into MIDI and try new sounds on it. But yeah, I was definitely messing around in GarageBand first. And then I think in seventh grade uh, for my birthday that summer, uh, my mom got me a, uh, Logic, like the Apple program, which mm-hmm. was a lot more in depth than, uh, than GarageBand. So it wasn't until like eighth grade that I really started making beats. And so once I had Logic, it was just like YouTube tutorials for days. So anytime I had free time on my hands, which when you're in eighth grade is like all the time, uh-huh. I would just search up like you know how how to uh, get sounds into into Logic how to chop up samples in Logic. And it was just like teaching myself from from YouTube tutorials. And then from there, it was you can just experiment, you know, try new things. And I think like one of the cool things about starting with beats is once you start making music, the way you listen to music completely changes. Because you hear songs from a, a producer standpoint rather than just like a consumer standpoint, which is cool. So can you give me like an example of something, something you would listen to and you really liked before you started making songs, and you listened to after you started making all these beats that like changed your yeah. specific, like a specific song or beat yeah. or something. So like, one of one of my favorite albums ever is "Nothing Was the Same" by Drake. Yeah, super dope. Like production wise, the album is ridiculous. That's my favorite. Drake yeah, album. like ridiculous. But on uh, 305 to the city or to my city uh, I think that's what it's called mm-hmm. but beat is so weird like so so weird and before it's super intricate and like I remember when it first came out I was just like like this song kind of sucks like this song's ass but then when I went back and like I was more uh, I could understand what was going on in the beat like now when I listen back to that song one it sounds super hard like I love that song but two there's this weird like muffled airy like vocal pad in the back and every time i listen to i'm just like how the fuck did they get it to sound like this and so it's like oh so it's like you you hear things and you're thinking how did they yeah exactly it's like how how can i get how can i take what they did and like recreate it myself Uh you know trying to figure out how they actually made something sound that way and then by doing that you like you learn repertoire yeah if you know you want to make something sound a certain way, you know how to do exactly. it. Exactly. Like, my favorite producer of all time is Noah Forty Shabib, Drake's producer. Uh-huh. And so he takes, like, a super uh, unique approach where uh, music has frequencies. And so there are high frequencies, middle frequencies, low frequencies. And what Forty does is he cuts out all of the high frequencies. That's why Drake kind of has that like underwater sound yeah you know and it gives it like a unique spin so uh i don't know i just love when producers try and do something that's unique and different i think that's like why 40 stands out to me so i try and like create something that gives me that same type of feeling that that he does yeah that's that's really cool um yeah no it's funny because like like i was saying earlier we kind of like grew up together and it was like I remember before you started doing this and then like you start building up and you start doing this and now you're even like you sell them online. Yeah. 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 So what did you kind of learn to like, how did you learn the business side of music? And not that you're, I mean, you're not like signed to a record label, something like that, but like, 
what was kind of like the process? Were you making mistakes uh, at first with trying to sell your stuff? So like, what, what was the moment you were like, hey, I can sell this? Mm-hmm. And how did you go about taking steps to, to actually sell it? Well, in, once I got like really into it back in eighth grade when I had Logic Pro and I could like actually produce real songs, I started uh, a YouTube channel. I think I just called it like Michael Pratt Beats, like super uncreative name. And, and I would just take my songs, make make a YouTube video, like take my beats, make a YouTube video, export it, put it up on YouTube. And then that was it. It was like I, I made a little Michael Pratt Beats at gmail.com email and I put it up there as well. And I remembered I had like no intention of selling anything, but uh, like every, every now and then I would get uh, an email and in the inbox it was like, I want to buy the rights to your song. And so like right, you were like, what the hell is that? Yeah, mean? I was like, what the fuck does this mean? And so <laughs> I had to start like all I, honestly, all of this stems from just googling shit. Like, like I I, will, I wouldn't be anywhere if Google didn't exist, honestly, because you just can learn whatever you want. But yeah, so I went on Google. I started looking up, uh, you know what what a copyright was, how to how to even sell things online, how to go about that, what's a PayPal, you know. So I. Uh, at first, I, the first thing I did was set up a PayPal because the light bulb went off in my head and I was like, oh, like someone will actually pay, pay me yeah. to, to like make a song for them. So like, okay, this is cool. And so made the little PayPals, like send me 20 bucks and I can send you the song. And so he sent me 20 bucks, sent him the song, like no, no documents or anything. To, yeah. And so that's kind of how it all started. But then as I got more and more into it, like during high school, uh, I had to look up like, okay, what goes into uh, a licensing contract? Like if I'm going to license the rights out mm-hmm. to somebody, what goes into an exclusive license? If I actually, uh, you know, take the copyright and sell it to somebody and then like, how do I even copyright uh, like music yeah. material? So it, it, it all started from that one dude, kind of, you know, sending me an email saying like, Yo, I want to buy, buy your rights. And then I was... I thought to myself, okay, this is like maybe something I could I could be involved with, and then you know you just keep making stuff, keep posting it, and uh, the more the more often you post, the more the bigger you're gonna get. You know, it's all about being consistent. And where where do you post when you're talking about posts and someone, like YouTube? Someone YouTube. who's starting off just doing it at home, you're just posting it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I was just posting it on on YouTube. My my search engine optimization was absolute trash. Like I didn't really know what I was doing with the YouTube channel, but it was just about consistent posting and like you know posting a beat a beat every single week, and then. Yeah. And then you start building a like a fan base from there, or at least like other musicians or, or rappers, you know, start following me and we're like checking for new beats. And then the more often you post, the more opportunities are gonna come in. So was there a point you kinda I don't know, because the thing that about YouTube yeah. that sticks out to me is like that was like the easiest place to illegally download music. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's web you usually search like YouTube to MP3 converter. Yeah. A website pops up, you copy the link, it converts it. Um, so when you started learning about you know, intellectual property rights surrounding music, mm-hmm. um, did you change it all from posting it on YouTube to posting it somewhere else? Yeah. Because like to me it's just like especially if I mean you're freshman in high school you're in eighth grade whatever it is like you're not going to know how to track someone down who like stole yeah exactly stuff. exactly once they steal it like it's game over yeah you, you can't do anything but uh so what what i i found that out the hard way when uh you know there was i forget the dude's name but he stole one of my like more popular beats and then gave me absolute no like zero not credit even, yeah. it was on itunes and shit so wow. like like i wasn't getting any money from it and so what what i had to do from there like every Anyone who produces and posts beats on YouTube knows about tagging your beats. And so what I had to do was start tagging them. And what that means is I had to go online and hire somebody to make me a sound tag, like a producer tag. So, you know, like the like murder on the beat, so it's not nice. Metro Boomin wants some more. Like those are all producer tags. Right. And so once I got my producer tag, which is Mike Beats, uh, I took that. And then on the YouTube versions, you place it randomly throughout the beat. 
So then, like, if somebody tries to legally steal your song, there's just a random mic beats, like, in the <laughs> middle. And it, it, like, ruins the song, you know? Yeah. So you have to go to the website and buy the untagged version. So, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what I am curious about, though, is as someone who knows how to work with sounds, you're still hiring someone to make that producer tag for you rather than doing it yourself? I mean, I could, I could have done it myself, but it's just like, I don't know. It sounds doper if... I just found this dude on the internet. I forget his name, but he's the same dude that... I think he made uh, he made TM88's uh, producer tag, who's super dope producer. He made Murder's... Uh, like first producer tag, not murder on the beat, but the first one. Uh-huh. Uh, but like, this is what that guy does. Yeah. And so it was like, it was probably like thirty bucks or forty bucks. So I was just like, yeah, like. Oh. Uh, that's interesting to me though. That like. Yeah, know. he has a whole business just yeah, like no, making I, tags for, for people. producers for people who you feel like should be able to. Yeah. No, like, that's just real. Make them for yourself, yeah. which is, I mean, still that's funny, interesting though. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. What what other steps? So you now have your producer tag, like mm-hmm. you're back in high school, you got your producer tag, so people can't steal your beats anymore. Yeah. You have a PayPal, and what, what else is goes into the process of selling them? So at this point, I didn't have uh, a website yet. I was still going... By just, email? Yeah, it was just by email. And then at a certain point, it was like I was getting too many emails or just to the point where... You know, I'm at school all the time and people might get mad at me if I don't send them the beat right away after they pay me. And then that's just more work on my end of handling that situation. So I was like, okay, I have to figure out a way where I can kind of like automate the process. So uh, if somebody buys a beat, they'll get sent the beat automatically and I don't have to touch it, you know, so that and that required a website. Yeah. So I think I remember when I first heard that you like, cause I, everyone that went to middle school and high school with us knew that you like made beats. Yeah. But I, I don't think that many people knew how much of a business you actually yeah. ended up making out of it. Like the fact that you had a website and were selling them. And I remember when I first found out you had the website, I think I went on there just to like check it yeah. out. See what was up. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can buy, like you had different licenses. You yeah. Could. So how does, and uh, this interests me. I took a class about intellectual property uh, mm-hmm. this past semester for the people listening. And I know I told you that yeah. earlier, Mike. But um, so like intellectual property things are always interesting to me. So if someone buys, you know, like the rights to use the the beat, but not like the exclusive rights, mm-hmm. then someone comes along and is like, I want the exclusive right. Like, how do you handle those those situ- types of situations? Yeah. Well, the thing with the exclusive lease is when they buy that ex- the exclusive rights, I am literally selling them the copyright to the song. And in paper, we're transferring over the rights to that actual track. Mm-hmm. And then in, the, in there, there's a discrepancy saying that I still get 50% uh, royalties on the... However much money. Yeah, on the, on the music split. So on the split sheet, I, it's based on 200 points. I get 100 of those points. So... Uh, what happens is once I sell them uh, the exclusive license or the exclusive rights in this case, if somebody has bought the rights to like an MP3 lease, uh, they can tell them to stop. Yeah, exactly. They can tell them to stop using it. They can t- you know send a cease and desist. They can do whatever they want. They own the rights to that song now. Yeah. Before before that point, me as a as a seller, I don't care. I want as many people using using the song as possible. Yeah. But once you know someone takes that beat and does something incredible with it, and uh, they want to be the only ones, then it's in their hands to to figure out who's using it and try and try and you know take it down from the internet. But did, did you um like talk to a lawyer when you were doing? I mean, like yeah. Were- well, I mean, at first no, but then uh, when I when I started, I went to community college first for for people who don't. Yeah, we'll know. get into yeah. the whole track. But I, I I took a business law course and I became uh, like kind of close with uh, my business law professor and I would go in and ask her questions and so she kind of guided me on how to phrase certain things, how to uh, you know how to make sure my licenses 
protect me as well as the people who buy them. So initially, was it just like you Googled different kind of licenses and just copy pasted? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's literally what I would do. And there were there were already some people online that were that were doing it. So I had a good example. And I remember specifically there was one guy. Zero one zero da. I don't even know if he produces anymore, but he made super super dope like just YouTube beats. I mean, I don't, I don't want to call him YouTube beats, but he was posting them on YouTube. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And so I remember I spent twenty dollars just to see what his rights were like. And then once I got that document, I think like for my first one, I just copied and pasted the whole thing and like and put that up. So as you my, bought one of his beats. To, yeah. To use the the. Yeah, it was essentially licensing. like a $20 fee to get my my licensing contract, my first licensing <laughs> contract. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So going over with your business law professor, you kind of went over each of the licenses yeah. and, and tweaked them a little bit? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, also pulling from other examples that I had found online, especially when it got to the exclusive rights on how to transfer the yeah. rights over to somebody. And so just, you know, going through each line, uh, the biggest thing, making sure that I'm protected when somebody buys it. And then the second biggest thing, making sure that I can still get paid even after I sell the rights to the song. So making sure I have those royalty statements and making sure the, the split sheets are all in order. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You're changing these licensing agreements and you're, you know, protecting yourself. You're doing all this stuff. Um what I'm curious about is the number you keep throwing around. You keep saying like $20. Yeah. So you started selling these at $20. How, what's, how do you price a beat? I mean, it's really all just based on supply and demand. So there's this really cool website called uh, Airbit where you can post your beats directly and have people buy them from Airbit. And you can see what other producers are selling there their beats for so it's really about going in kind of seeing what type of beats you're making and then looking at what other producers are selling their beats for and also when i first started out none of these websites really existed so it was about what people were willing to just pay for it so and, would you start high and kind of negotiate around or? oh yeah for sure bro i remember like telling some dude i went some of a beat unless it was like he wanted the rights and it had it was like two thousand dollars or something but in reality, I probably would have sold him the beat for like a hundred bucks if he asked, but I, cause I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. So it was just about figuring out where where that number fell to and like where it kind of met in the market. But there there's different prices for different types of licenses. So that makes sense. But like, if if someone wants to buy an exclusive rights to a beat, how much does that generally cost? Uh, probably like five hundred to a thousand dollars, somewhere <laughs> somewhere in that range. And that obviously changes with how well known, like you as a producer, get. Yeah, it will. Well, I mean, if you're talking like, <laughs> it, it all depends. Like if you're talking, uh, like, like you know, a murder or like a Metro Boomin. They're charging like ten thousand to like fifty thousand per beat. Per beat, yeah, because they're working directly with majors. So what happens is when the uh, when an artist signs to the major label, the so let, let's say for example I'm Future, right? And I'm making sure. I'm making I'm making my I'm making Dirty Sprite three, and I I go to the label and I say, okay, I'm ready to make my next album. Uh, I need money to make it. The, what the label's there for is they're almost like a, a loan agency, and they give Future $2 million to go make his next album. Uh -huh. So now Future's walking around with $2 million, right? He's got his $2 million check to make Dirty Sprite 3. He has to start making it. He pays for studio time. Sometimes the label will set that up, but in this case, let's say he pays for studio time, and then he needs producers. So now he'll call Metro Boomin in, and Metro obviously knows he's working with this fat-ass budget. So he can. So he's like, I want 10, exactly. I want and at that $50, at that point, he can say, okay, look, we have this great song, ten thousand dollars. We have this other song, twenty thousand dollars. And so he's charging him that way because he knows what type of budget he's working with. And then Future, you know, will make his album. They'll put it out. Whatever's left over, Future just pockets. And then uh, what actually happens is the label needs to recoup 
what they paid Future. Right. So before Future Future even gets paid on any of that music, the label has to make two million dollars back on the album. Sure. And then Future starts getting paid. So once it's two million and one dollar, then Future's getting paid. You know his royalty splits on that one dollar. But the nice thing for producers is they get day one royalty. So uh, while the money's being recouped from that album, the $2 million, because the producers weren't loaned, w- once it hits $2 million and $1, the producers get royalties on that first $2 million as well. Yeah, because they, they don't have the agreement with the Exactly, with the yeah. They don't itself. have to pay the label back. Cool. Um, what's it take to... Because I know you... like paid attention to a lot of these yeah. producers and probably followed a lot of like their stories or like knowing how they got big. Like what's it take to become big as a producer, become like some guy that can make $10,000 on a beat? I think just like sticking, sticking with it and experimenting and more importantly, like actually working with artists. Like there's no, there's no big producer who just focuses on themselves it's always about collaborating and like reaching out to actual artists who are going to get on your track and make something of it right because the producer aspect is only like one half of the song you still need right amazing lyrics to go over the beat before you can even put it out to the public so i would definitely say collaboration yeah so that brings me to the next point which is kind of talking about like where do you find people to collaborate with? I know the internet has made that yeah. a ton easier than yeah. it has been probably for like plenty of years prior. But because um, I mean, like we're not exactly where you and I are from, yeah, in County, California. We're not exactly swimming in a wealth of rappers. No, so no, like, not at all. What What's the process to go find people to work with? I mean, it's just, I think it's about being tapped in to, to like your local scene and knowing, because at this point, like rappers are like our generation's rock stars, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like growing up in the 80s, most high school kids were like, I want to be a rock star. I want to, I want if they were into music. Now it's like, I want to be a rapper if you're into music. Like that's, that's the type of music that people are doing now. So I think no matter what high school you go to, there's always at least going to be like one SoundCloud rapper. You yeah, know? yeah. And so it's about being tapped into, into that network and like figuring out who those kids are and then just like reaching out to them and collaborating. And it, for me, like whenever I would work um, with people like that, uh, I, w- I wouldn't charge them. I would just say like, bro, let's just cook up. Like come over. I have a mic. Let's let's get creative. Let's make something, and then we'd put it out. And if we ended up selling it, then we'd make money on the actual streams or the sales of the music. Cause I at that point I just wanted to like make something with somebody, you know. Yeah. And so I, that that was all about like kind of building my network. And I was like, okay, let me take a hit on uh, on the production or on the uh, money from the production. To make more money from the actual streams and the uh, the sales. Sure. Yeah. And I know you're always kind of like networking and looking for people to yeah. do people to make music with. Because I remember, um, and we're now going to talk a little bit about Michael's recent, recent stuff. But um, I remember, so for all you listening, Michael just got in to Cal. He's in the undergraduate business administration major. Yeah. Uh, ready to go. He's. I mean, he just started uh, some classes this summer, but gonna be gonna be starting like full time in when in August. Yeah, August. Start. Yeah. So, um, you know, super pumped for him. Super hyped to hear that. Um, but you took kind of. Well, anyway, to finish the story before I get into the next question, when Mike got in and decided he was gonna come here, he. He uh, texted me. He's like, "Yo, are there any any rappers <laughs> on the football team?" And was like, "Yeah, there's a lot of guys that think they're rappers. I mean, some some <laughs> some of the guys can do pretty well, but it's like it's pretty funny. But um, yeah, so why don't you talk a little bit about the journey of like what was going on at the end of high school, what you decided to do, um, and then basically what's happened since yeah. then. So I mean, I kind of had a had a different route than most people, especially uh, from Marin County, because uh, for those of you who don't know, Marin County's 
a pretty wealthy area within the the Bay Area. And during my uh, my junior year, uh, my parents are divorced, and uh, I was with my mom, and she she actually took uh, a hit like pretty pretty bad financially, and so we were kind of stuck in this bad situation. It was stressful for me because my mom was stressed out. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, what's the deal with college? Like, I, well, obviously, I wanted to try and apply to go to a four-year university. But at the same time, I had to be realistic about uh, about my options. And I've always been someone who's really tapped in and has, like, a passion for business and is tapped in to uh, my personal finances. And so uh, once, I, once I figured out that you know, maybe going to a four-year university right off the bat uh, would, you know, be a way where I'd have to take out loans and put myself financially at risk. I was like, okay, well, there's got to be better options. And so I found out about uh, community college. And right when I found out that I could go to a community college, take two years, work my ass off, and then transfer to a four-year university, I was like, I'm doing that. Like I'm gonna save so much sure. money. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna be just set way better in the future if I take that route. So I didn't even apply to colleges while I was a junior in high school. I just, I just said, you know what? I'm gonna take this hit, go to community college for two years, grind it out, and then see where it gets me. And so, as a as a senior in high school, uh, you know, I don't think anybody really wants to go to community college but especially yeah and like mike was saying earlier marin's super affluent and like it's kind of like expected that yeah very like, judgmental yeah you know. Like, you know there's the stereotype is you're gonna go do your uh four years of high school and everyone's gonna go to some big university yeah and that's that and like that's that's just kind of what everyone expects and everyone thinks is gonna happen yeah and when that doesn't happen, it's kind of like, which you, is, you, you know, kind of like look down upon. Yeah. Almost. Even though it's stupid, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They, like go, you, you, and this day and age, like this is sidetrack real quick. You don't need a college degree. Like the internet changed everything. Like if you're passionate about something, you can learn. Yeah. You can learn anything you want on the internet and then go do it. But that, that's a side point. So back, back to the story, uh, uh, it was like senior year, obviously it was kind of, it was like, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little embarrassed that I was going to community college while all these other people were getting into amazing schools. But like when I reflect and look back on that, I'm honestly so happy that I decided to choose this route because one, it was the most humbling experience I've ever had in my life because nobody thought I was shit anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And even even if that wasn't true, that's how I thought about about it in a sense. And then two, it got me to one of the best schools in the entire world, which I definitely wouldn't have been able to get into if I didn't have this experience of going to community college. So, I mean, it worked out in the end and uh, I definitely think it, if you're a kid who doesn't know really what they want to do yet or or maybe you know you're going through something financially in your family like think about community college if you live in california like it's an amazing experience you'll meet amazing people you can immerse yourself in into that community and it gives you time to just think and mature and in like and just grow as a person but while i was in community college i w- i was still you know going hard with music, I was working full time. Yeah, I was I gonna was, ask, like, what what were you doing? Because I mean, like, I know some of our other friends who are who have gone to community college, and it's like, it's kind of a weird transition because like, you're in the same place, but most of your friends, like we were talking about before, are yeah. gone for pretty much most of the year. Somewhere yeah. else doing other things. So like, what kind of like, what were you doing, and what steps were you taking to? find things to fill your time that you weren't working or studying. Cause I know a lot of people get trapped in kind of like, I just go to school and I go yeah. to work and like, I never feel like there's anything to do. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always been the kind of person like, uh, kind of like type a personality. Like I love to just like be doing stuff, you know, and like, like working on things, creating things. And so, uh, 
while I was in community college, I was taking classes full time. Uh, I was working at as a manager at a movie theater full time. And then I was also working as a tutor part time and then working on my own business. So like I was I was stuck on go. Like I was going really, 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 really hard, just trying to make sure uh I wasn't wasting my time because I knew as a community college student, I had kinda uh had this label put on me that I wasn't one of the the high achievers or I wasn't one of the people that had worked really hard in high school when that was absolutely not the case. So I kinda took that that energy and I tried to transfer it into motivation to like go even harder with with what I was doing. So uh, yeah, I just kind of stepped up and I said, I wanted for these next like two, two three years, I want to try and ma- absolutely maximize my time and, and really learn the material and really get myself real life experience. Because one of the, one of the things like you said, when you go to community college, like all your friends leave and it's a very it's a very humbling experience but uh it's kind of like a a restart button almost Mm. because you you're in the same place that you were but it's the first time that you realize all of those social stigmas that existed in high school they don't matter they don't really exist you know and so you can you can restart and kind of become a, a a new person in a way yeah, man, that's really cool to hear you talk about that, um, especially because, like, and I've been saying this on, like, everybody that that I've been talking to through this podcast yeah. is, like, it's only recently where I felt like I was in a place to be able to go out and, like, really go focus on, like, me professionally. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, that's a time where it's, like, it's the times where like, I mean, in my understanding and talking to people and in my understanding from living my own life, it's the times where like, you're kind of like, do take a second to breathe and realize you have like this free extra time, like time you could be doing more things with. Exactly. And it's when you realize that it's like, I need to fill this time. Yeah. No, for real. It's like, and like, once you start filling that time, like that's, I mean, I'm 21. I don't know anything. Yeah. This is my disclaimer, but my understanding is like those times when you realize you have this extra free time filled up and then you go and fill it with something that's productive to your life. Like to me, that's what separates people. Yeah, no, 100%. Like at the start of this year, I, I was getting super fed up with, uh, uh, social media. And so it was like every morning I'd wake up and like literally that I was really bad with it. Like the first thing I would do is like open up my phone, hop onto onto Instagram and just to start scrolling my Insta feed. And like at a certain point, I would spend like 30 minutes to an hour each day before I got up and like started being super productive. Like don't get me wrong, once I got up, I was like, boom, okay, we're going. Like let's be as productive as we can. But I was wasting those 30 to, minutes to like an hour in bed just scrolling the ground. Which gram. doesn't, and like 30 minutes doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah, no, like, not at all. If you had 30 minutes over the course of a week, yeah. it's a couple hours you start yeah. to waste and then you do that for a year and a, a month and a year. Exactly, and like yeah, you see up. like you're, you know, you're wasting time that you could be doing stuff. And I'm not saying to the people out there, I'm not saying I'm perfect and that I'm always productive and doing no, things. Yeah, no, no. But it's like, I think when you're striving for that, that's when... Uh, you can really start yeah. to to further yourself and separate yourself. Yeah, and like take breaks. Like anybody listening, like you need you, need <laughs> you gotta to take stay breaks. sane. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta not go crazy when you're doing your thing. And like, you know, it's okay to to relax and like and and just take time for yourself. You know, go on walk. Like every day I go on a I try and like go on a walk or like uh or just be by myself and listen to music because that's what I love to do. I love to listen to music. So, you know, I, you got to find ways where, uh, you're, you're kind of recharging your batteries, you know? So when you come back, you can start going really hard again and not everybody needs to go hard. That's the other thing you got to understand. Like I go, I try, I try and be super productive because I, I really enjoy being really, really productive and just working on things and, creating new things, learning about things. 
and uh, you know not everybody's like that and you you have to uh, try and recognize what what type of person you are and like what your personality's like absolutely um, I I totally agree with you there and I actually want to talk more because I haven't talked that much on this podcast about the podcast itself yeah and I just want to go back to what I was talking about it's like those times where you feel like you get extra time it's like I got finally like mm-hmm. I was in college for for three years three and a yeah. half years before I decided I wanted to to do this podcast but it was like it was heading into this summer um, and I was like I finally, for the first time in three, three and a half years, yeah, I feel comfortable with football. Yeah, I feel comfortable with school. Like, I can do these things. I have a social life. Like, I've got friends. Like, I've balanced all these three things that it took me three yeah. and a half years to balance and really figure out. What What do you think caused that? Was it like figuring out time management? Um, I, I've talked about it a little bit, but it's like when I first got here, it was like. All school. I can't yeah. I can't not do well in school. Like this is a tough transition from high school. Then it was like football really started to pick up and I was like, Well damn, I wanna play. Like yeah. I'm gonna put like my mindset changed there completely. It's like Like if I'm doing this, I wanna do yeah, it. Yeah, if best. I'm do if I'm doing this, I this is a fun story. Um so it was my very first fall camp. Yeah. So it's fall it's like August twenty sixteen in twenty sixteen and our old coaches used to rip into us and we were after practice doing up downs for punishment, which is just like, like you have to get on the ground. Yeah. Pretty much like, yeah, you just got to get up and get back down. And like our coach would always tell whoever's like fault. It was, I'm doing air quotes with fault. Yeah. Um, whoever's fault it was like after we done like 20 of me, tell that one person to stop, make everyone around him keep going. Damn. So it was like our eighth practice, maybe, told me to stop. Everyone was still going. <laughs> Everyone's counting off the numbers. Yeah. They're probably at like 40. Like it's been, like they're doing a lot of them. And my coach is sitting there ripping into me. It's like, <laughs> Jake, I thought you were going to play this year, but you've been sucking. Yeah. And like, that sounds so mean, but you don't know how happy that made me when he said, I thought you were going to play this year. I didn't think I was in any sort of position to be like close. Yeah. And that moment to me is a defining moment where I just like flipped a switch and was like, why why not try to play this year? Yeah. I didn't play that year, but like by the end of the year I was traveling with the team, which not every freshman gets to do. Yeah. Like, it was like you hadn't even realized yet that you had a <laughs> shot. Yeah. In in my head it wasn't like something that I thought I could do at yeah. that point. And and like from that point on it kinda like flipped a switch there and like so it was like I was doing well in school, I'm trying hard in workouts and trying to get on the field. Yeah. Um and then like one of my friends who had to miss our first semester due to an injury, he comes back and like, he's back for a week and he's already got more friends than I do. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm lagging here. So it was like, <clears throat> I'm kind of like, I was getting these different frontiers down one at a time. Mm-hmm. And like, it was when I realized I had another frontier is when I sort of shifted my focus and yeah. just like stayed good in what I was doing. And I got to a point going into the summer where it was like, there's no thing for me to conquer now. Like, yeah. I feel like I've conquered all the things that are supposed to be like so tough for student athletes. And they are so tough. It took me three and a half years. Yeah. And I was like going into this summer and I was like, well, now it's like I got to put things for myself. I, get, I need to give myself things to, I need to give myself things um, to focus on and, and take the next step in. And so this summer, for example, I took an online class um, for the first for the first bit of the summer. And uh, at the same time, I was working an internship, um, still am, Monday through Thursday from about 10 to 4 every yeah. single day. So that's already, that's two big things. And it wasn't an easy online class either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm taking a tough class and I'm doing this internship because it's something I want to do to develop myself professionally. Yeah. And then uh, on top of that, I was like, I want to make this, yeah. this podcast. A whole another project. A whole nother, and a big project yeah. too. Like, and I'm like, I want to record a bunch of interviews this summer 
and get ready to roll them out um, for around when the season comes around. Yeah. And like, and like between and between all of that stuff, um, I basically put a bunch on my plate, none of which needed to be there. Yeah. I didn't need to take the class. I didn't need to work an internship. I definitely didn't need to start a podcast. Yeah. But like... You did. I was, yeah, I did. Because I was just like so comfortable with all this stuff. It's yeah. Like, I need more things to do. I need to keep challenging myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of like how I got here. And that's how I am where I am right now. But um, I wanted to go back to something you said earlier yeah. about having Google and like being yeah, able to bro. learn whatever it is you want to learn because like to me there's more people in the world that don't sort of just like take action and take on more things and maybe that's just because we're young and people yeah. haven't matured yet yeah and people are starting to maybe but like so far in my life like i don't think there's been that many people that'll go out of their way to take on extra things and learn extra things um and like i was just saying i don't really think i started to do that until recently um, in your opinion, what, what kind of prevents people from being like, man, like for, in your case, I love music. I'm going to learn how to make beats and I'm going to learn how to, I'm going to go out of my way yeah. to learn how to deal with the intellectual property and deal with how to sell them and how to do it. Like, so I still protect myself again. Like what's stopping people from going out and following all these things that, they might be interested in when we have literally the world at our disposal on the internet. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one, it's a it's a, a like a a self. I don't want to say self confidence because it's not yourself, but it's like what society mm. kind of has has put on you. You know where maybe you don't believe in yourself because certain people in your life told you that you can't do X, Y, and Z. And I, I was just lucky enough that, A, my parents have always been super uh, supportive of me doing whatever I do. And uh, they always kind of just let me do my own thing as well, which I was super lucky. No one was guiding me to do anything. So w- when I was passionate about music, I didn't have to go get permission and say, hey, I want to start this business. It was just like, Hey, I'm gonna go start this business. Like, I don't care what you're getting. And it wasn't even like I'm gonna start a business. You weren't even thinking. You're yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just like, I'm gonna make music. Like, (laughs) let me just have fun and like mess around a little bit. But uh, all so I think it's like a societal thing where people kind of put limitations on on what you can do when in reality those limitations don't exist. Like anybody who. Like, I'm a huge Kanye fan. Like, I love Kanye. Yeah, he's going a little crazy right now. Like, we, we're not going to get into all of that. I don't, I don't agree with much of what he's saying in 2019. But, uh, like, if you go back and listen to the BBC interview from uh, 2013, like, that is, like, one of the most self-liberating interviews I've ever heard in my entire life. Because it's all about kind of this topic where you can... You can go do whatever you want. Like the limitations that society puts on you don't really exist. Like as long as you work hard and you stay persistent at what you're doing. And like, although it's an obscure example to use Kanye, especially when he was like, I'm trying to get into the fashion industry. But he did. Exactly. Yeezys were one. They did $1.5 billion in revenue this year. This year. Like that's ridiculous. So, I mean, if you set your mind to something you want to do, you can definitely go out and do it. And I think that's the other thing is that uh, sometimes we limit the, the way people dream. Like, we, we, we don't encourage people to think big. We encourage people to, to think medium, you know? Yeah. Think of a goal uh, that you can achieve, but... In my opinion, it's much better to think of a massive goal that I might not reach because if I set my goal to a thousand feet rather than ten feet, if I miss the mark at nine hundred feet, I'm still way higher than I would have been if I reached that ten feet. You yeah, know? absolutely. So as long as I think setting your goals high is, is, are really important, and I think that you know something that could be limiting is uh, just the kind of the the mindset 
people have on um, what you can and can't do. For sure. Um, we got a little like rah-rah there and like, like, like Mike and I were saying, we're both 21. We really don't know. Yeah, all we don't that know much. shit. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't know all that much. We haven't been around for, for that long. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. We used to start noticing things. Yeah. And like, Mike's been really successful with his, with, uh, his production business and like has really gone and like done it, which like a lot of people haven't done. And like, I've had success in school and on the football field here, just in terms of if you look at how much I've played or like, yeah, like GBA, like, well, and the fact for people who don't know, Jake just got into uh, the Haas School of Business, which is the number two undergraduate business school in the world. Go Bears! Yeah, so I mean, to be playing football full time and then also focus on your academics to get into one of the best business schools in the world. Not many people can do that. You know? Appreciate that, man. Yeah, of course. But like, I mean, like we don't, we don't know everything. So don't listen to us. Yeah. We know everything, but we know, like, I think we know some things. Yeah, like, we know some we've, things. We've seen people that have been successful. We're putting ourselves in situations to, to be successful. And yeah. that's what I really, I mean, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of myself. Yeah, I'm just admire you, about like what we've been doing. So not to get too rah-rah there, but um, I want to shift back to your, your yeah. thoughts on music real quick. Yeah. What do you think about like recent music trends? Like what have you noticed? And, recent like, music what you, trends? What oh, do you think about? I love it. Okay. So this, I think, so when I think of, of like music airs, especially as someone who's a massive hip hop fan, like I look at 2009 kind of as the turning point to when rap music took over the world where no longer did uh, like label execs think that they could put out pop music and have it work. So we, we see this transition, you know, around the time that Kanye starts putting out My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Wiz Khalifa comes Maybe on. the best album yeah, of all time. Yeah, maybe the best album of all time. Go listen if you haven't heard that. Especially for production. Yeah, especially for production. And if you haven't heard My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, like... Get get out get it's, out of your it's home. It's a sonic <laughs> masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. But uh, like that that was around the time where hip hop really started to to take over. And so nowadays, uh, because hip hop is the most popular genre as of last year in the entire world, uh, it it kind of sets the trends for what music sounds like. So right now in music overall. Everything really sounds like a rap song. Like if you go and listen to your pop radio, like if you listen to Thank You Next by Ariana Grande, Grande, she's singing on trap beats. That whole album is just trap beats that got a pop singer on it. So yeah. everybody's pulling from some some type of elements from uh, hip from hip hop music. And it, it, even if you go and listen to like a pop country song, there are 808s in pop country songs. 808s were created for hip hop. Like hip hop producers, you, you know, anyone who produces hip hop knows what an 808 is. Essentially, the the bass in a song. You know, that hard hitting, low frequency bass that just absolutely shakes your car if you're listening to a song. But uh, besides, like, just the entire music industry shifting towards hip hop, uh, you kind of start to see separation. Of different subgenres in hip hop. So right now, I would say there's kind of like a a rebellious uh, a rebellious uh, punk era going on in the hip hop scene, where before you had to be like a lyricist, you know, mm -hmm. to to be inside to be a, considered a rapper, you had to have bars. Now you don't have to have bars; you have to have a sound. So it's kind of completely switched to to not necessarily say they're being more creative, but to try and create something that's unique. So the the bar of what you have to be has changed. Like for example, Playboy Cardi, half the time I don't know what he's saying. But it sounds dope because it sounds like an alien rapping on <laughs> these super futuristic beats, you know? And it yeah. just it, it's a whole a whole new unique sound that that has its own vibe and can sit in its own world. It's the same thing. And, like I remember listening to um, to Lil Yachty 
for the first time. Uh, I think it one was night. Just, no, no, no. It wasn't one. Well, yeah, one night. I think was probably how I got introduced. But I listened to that album. What was that album called? I have no idea. It's the. It's the. I have, I have no idea. Blinking on it, but it's the the blue and red one. Uh, that has Minnesota on it. But the first song, I remember listening to the first song and that section where it switches up to where Lil Yachty's just crooning and otter tune. I remember hearing it for the first time. I was like, what the fuck is this? But it was so different that it, like <laughs> I kept going back to it. And I think, uh, not to, just because I love talking about this shit, but I think the most impactful albums of uh, like the last five to... 10 years that kind of shifted hip hop. What, 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 808? Yeah, 808. 808 and Heartbreaks for sure, but also Yeezus for like this new era of SoundCloud rappers. Yeah, Yeezus, and then also I think just Young Thug as a person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because I remember the first time because I had an old car in high school, I couldn't connect my phone yeah. or anything. So I would listen to the radio, and I remember the first time I heard uh, Young Thug, I was like, is this seriously on yeah, the radio Yeah, like, right is now? he being for real and with, then, like, Danny Glover and, like, yeah. Stoner? And then, like, the third time maybe I heard it, I was like, this sounds really cool. Yeah, like, this but is kind of like, fire. And that's how I've kind of felt about a lot of the the trend away from lyricism, yeah. the uniqueness that you're talking about. And it's really cool that you frame it that way, because I've never thought about it like that, because I initially was super, like anti this new school yeah like, the soundcloud rappers yeah anti like the, like these guys aren't they're all saying the same thing yeah which is like nothing and they all sound super weird like, yeah initially i was against that but like the way i think that's a really cool way to think about it because i've never thought about yeah about it as creating uniqueness or creating your own sound yeah um but that's I mean, and, and like that, people are listening to sounds rather than yeah than lyrics because exactly it, it, that, that is really what it is. Um, even though sometimes it's like so horrendously bad, like what yeah. they're saying. But like, I don't know. The more like, even though at the first time you're kind of like, "What the hell is this?" Like, the more you listen to stuff, it kind of just like sticks with you and like grows on you. Yeah, um, no, super true. That's that's cool. That's an interesting way to put it. I never thought about another it like another trend that I've re like kind of I've been trying to think about uh, recently was the distorted eight oh eight. So like the eight oh eight, as I said previously, like overblown bass. Yeah, like exactly. You know, so the eight oh eight is the that sub bass that hits in a in a rap song and just shakes your cars like boom. Boom, boom. And the trend recently is to put a distortion plugin on it, uh, which will actually bring, it'll clip it and bring out the high end of the 808. So instead of sounding like boom, 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 it sounds like boom, 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 like that. Kind of like, it, you know, it gives you like a Yeezus vibe or something. Yeah. And, and uh, the reason why I think that might be happening is because uh, as hip hop became more and more popular, so many cars like older cars weren't made to handle that type of sub bass. So when you go in your, cause it happens in my car, when I play songs too loud, the back starts to rattle, yeah. you know? And, and I get that frequency without even like trying. You feel it. Yeah, exactly. In the back of my car, I'll say like, boom, boom, boom. And it's just in the song without it actually being in the song. And I think like, as people have tested speakers over time, like we've gotten more accustomed to that that high-end noise and so i don't know that's just kind of my theory as of why uh why we're seeing the trend of distortion on 808s but uh the other great thing about distorting an 808 is when you use a, a crappy speaker system like a laptop or a phone you can get that element of bass to come through on those crappy speakers whereas before there wasn't any high end on the bass you can't hear bass when yeah. you're playing it through your phone speakers so it adds another layer to the another song. dimension. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, man, it's been really, really cool to hear you talk about yeah. Uh, yeah. music and like how totally you invested you are in like the music scene and trying to to really do it. Uh, the one thing I want to ask you before we move on to our final three yeah. is where where do you see yourself taking this? Like, is being a producer the goal? I don't know if being a pro the producer is the goal. I love, I absolutely love being a producer. 
and creating music, but I'm also really, really passionate about uh, business. But I, I don't want to just do business. You know, I want to combine my two passions of in, course, some, yeah, yeah. in some type of way. So there was this, <coughs> there was this really kind of uh, profound realization I had when I was reading this book called uh, Good to Great. It's by Jim Collins, and it's a it's like a management business book, but you can apply it to to like any aspect yeah, of your sure. life. Like, how do you go from being good to great? And so he analyzes companies, but you can think about that in terms of yourself. And there's this one uh, chapter that analyzes this thing called the hedgehog concept. And essentially, what the hedgehog concept is is like imagine three circles, and one of the circles is what's your ec- economic driver. So like, how much money do you want to make? Uh, what are you super passionate about and what do you think you can be the best in the world at? And so where I'm going with, the, with this is what I tried to like plug in being a music producer. And when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, okay, there's definitely money there if you're good enough. Like, so that feeds my economic driver. Sure. I want all three of these to match up. So, okay, we have economic driver checked. Uh, what am I super passionate about? Music. I love check. music. Check. Check that off. But what do I think I'd be the best in the world at? I'm really good at producing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like I can confidently say that. But do I think I can be the best in the world at it? And so I had to think about that. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe not. But there's definitely people out there that are more classically trained than me. There are sure. people out there who know how to read music better than me. They know how to write music better than me. So I was like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but then I thought about what I could be the best at the world at. And when I thought about what I could do almost better than anybody else, it was be a businessman or an executive within the world of business or within the world of music. So it was finding that niche and kind of tailoring what I wanted to do and where I wanted to do it. And so the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, well, uh, the economic driver of being a businessman or an executive business strategist, check passionate about music and business check Check. what i think i could be the best in the world at being a businessman in the world of music check and i think being a producer is kind of like one of the skills that can go on to my uh swiss army knife of musical business knowledge you know yeah you, if, can, you can be in the studio and know what you're exactly about. exactly and it's just one more to a song it's one more play. asset to being someone who works within the music industry that's super cool um all right so we're gonna head on to the final three now so what's one thing that you've read watched or listened to lately uh, that you think the audience should check out oh read watched or listened Okay, let me think about this. What did I read last? Uh, I read... Actually, you know, I'm going to go a different route because I talked about it. Listen to Yeezus. Yeezus is like one of the most underappreciated albums in just hip-hop history. Because it's so... Maybe in music history. Yeah, maybe in music history. Because it's so left field and so weird. But it's... It's literally aged so well and fit into this new era of hip hop that when you go back and listen to it, you can kind of see just like how much foresight Kanye had when he was creating that album and how he kind of shifted the musical structure and tone of music uh, to come. Just because it's such a weird album. Like there's so many weird sounds that just work together in yeah, like a beautiful uh, way. The first song on the album, the beat is literally frequencies. Yeah, exactly. It's just weird frequencies. And then and then he has that he puts that uh like dope old school Kanye sample in in the middle. And it's kind of just like a sonic it's middle like, finger. What's going on? Well it's like a sonic middle finger because it's like you all of a sudden you're like, oh is he gonna is he gonna go back to old Kanye? And then all of a sudden these weird frequencies come back and he's just like, no, absolutely not. Like I'm going this route. Yeah. yeah, so check out Yeezus if you haven't checked it out. It, it, it's an awesome album, in my opinion. You might hate it. I don't know. You might. Yeah. Uh, who or what was your biggest inspiration to figuring out what you were passionate in and acting on it? What I was passionate in and acting on it. Who or what? Who or what? Uh, 
I, th- I mean, I would probably say, I would probably say Kid Cudi, just because, like, that album meant so much to me during that time, and it, like, made me really love music and, like, appreciate music, because that was the first album that I listened to where I cared about the entire album as a body of work, you know? Yeah. I, I didn't just love the the artist or a specific song i loved that entire piece of music all together as one so uh, probably uh yeah kid cuddy just for making that incredible album. that was also the album that made me love music i'm not in music to the degree that you are but yeah um, that's like when i realized that albums are supposed to be listened to yeah, as a whole from front to back yeah. exactly yeah that was the first time i realized and that, that like there's more than just one or two good songs yeah. for each album or each artist. Yeah. That was the one that did it for me. Um, last but not least, uh, what right now is your current goal? Right now, I would say right now my current goal is to, well, one, graduate uh, from the high school business at Cal, but uh, take what I'm doing and take it to the next level by going and working for a major global streaming music company. So I want to go and work for and develop better business strategies and improve the platforms for Apple Music or Spotify, Tidal, Amazon Music, any of those. And just kind of dip my toes into the, the back-end technology that uh, allows us to access music. Awesome. All right, Mike. Um if anyone listening just happens to be a rapper and want to reach out to Hit you. Hit me up, prodmikebeats.com, P-R-O-D-M-I-K-E-B-E-A-T-S.com. All right. Or if Shameless just, plug. <laughs> or if you just want to learn more about music and want to talk to Mike about production or something like that, um, you can find his contact info on his website. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, all right, man. Thanks for... Uh, coming on with me today and I can't wait to uh, have you here at Cal with me and, and hop into classes and whatnot together. Of course, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. This conversation was such a blast to have and I was really excited to share a little bit more about myself in this conversation as well. I'm really stoked for Mike and all he has going on right now and can't wait to keep watching him grow and to continue to grow alongside of him. Please leave a rating, a review, and subscribe to support the show. And as always, stay stignatious.